There are no two doubts about it. Miriam McHale has a cool job. She's a project management engineer with the Canadian Space Agency. Miriam has worked on several projects since joining the CSA three years ago, including working as a risk coordinator with Canada's $1.2 billion Radarsat Constellation mission, which launched last June. It's a three-satellite constellation, and it actually can revisit Canada up to four times a day, which is something that we've never had done before. So that's, that's pretty cool. Canada's very, very big, and I think sometimes we tend to forget that. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Miriam talks to host Bonnie Moak about a new initiative of the Space Agency, the Junior Astronaut Initiative, where activities revolve around three themes, fitness and nutrition, science and tech, and teamwork and communications. You know, an astronaut needs to be a well-rounded individual in order to become an astronaut. And it's not just being, you know, super smart in one area of expertise. You really need to have all these skills available to you. Miriam, who studied aerospace engineering at Carleton University in Ottawa, has some sound advice for her younger self. I'm talking to my younger self right now, just being like, hey, you make it, you're in a pretty cool job and you get to do pretty cool experiences and learn about pretty cool different things. And it's fantastic. So at the end of the day, it was all worth it. Um, You can do it, obviously, and just be a bit more, take some more risks and, you know, see where it gets you. Miriam McHale on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Please note, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Canadian Space Agency has decided to postpone the Junior Astronaut Camp to summer 2021. You'll hear Miriam talk about that in the podcast. Registration will remain open until February 28, 2021. Kids are encouraged to do junior astronaut activities at home during the physical distancing period. You can find information on the CSA website. So here I am today at home working remotely, as is most people around the world right now in March of 2020. And I'm really excited because I'm taking a break from my daily job to have the opportunity to chat with Miriam McCall, who is a project management engineer with Canadian Space Agency. Miriam, thank you so much for joining me for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. This is exciting. It's my first podcast. Oh, that's even more exciting. I was watching a, a couple of videos of you yesterday and I just, uh, I got, got me even <laughs> more excited about uh, having the opportunity to chat with you today. Well, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so we're going to dive right in. Uh, I'd love to talk for you to talk a bit about your background and what made you decide to go into engineering. For sure. Um, So that's not maybe as linear as some people may think or as some other stories may be. So for me, especially in high school, I was always really good at STEM. So science, technology, engineering, math. Um, Very specifically, I liked chem, I liked physics, and I liked math. Those were things that I excelled in and I just kind of naturally gravitated to. Uh, Bio wasn't necessarily something that I was loving at that point in time. And maybe that was just a reflection of the way things were, but that's okay. And then from there, you know, in grade 11 and also in grade 12, uh, I had a chemistry teacher and a physics teacher, and they had both talked about engineering to the class, respectively. And so that had just kind of garnered some interest for me there. Um, But then from there, I just kind of went on and I looked at the different programs that were offered in engineering, and it seemed like an interesting challenge. That was something that I really wanted to do in university, very specifically, was to kind of challenge myself just to get out of the comfort that I was in, in terms of being in a box. Um, And I like being able to just like challenge my brain and use my brain continuously and engineering very much seemed like a good field to do that in. 
So that is how I gravitated towards engineering and aerospace was something that was really cool to me. So that is how I chose aerospace. That's cool. I love how you say, um, because you wanted a challenge. And now is that something that's kind of been consistent throughout your whole life that you look for opportunities to challenge yourself? I think so. And maybe it's not as always as evident to me, but I think I do do certain things that, especially in career wise, where I look to challenge myself versus maybe in my personal life where I might not as much go for as much challenges, I guess I could say. Oh, that's, I like that. That's pretty interesting. Um, So now uh, you have a pretty cool job. You work for uh, the Canadian Space Agency. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about that and what your role is there. Sure. Um, So the Canadian Space Agency, yeah, it is. It is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool, neat place to be in. Um, There's a lot of opportunities and a lot of different types of engineers that actually work within the building. Um, Specifically, I am a project management engineer. And for me, what that means is that I oversee projects. So I work with a lot of other different types of engineers, whether that be systems engineers or technical specialists and so forth, and also contractors. And I am the primary contact for when we have contracts with industry most of the time. So I would relay information to the team or if there's mission managers on there, they're also with us in terms of primary contact. Um, As an example, some of the projects that we're working on some of the larger flagship projects, as an example. So we had our RaiderSat Constellation mission that just launched in June of 2019. And for that project, as I am a project management engineer, um, I wasn't the project manager on that project. That was a $1.2 billion project. So I was not, you know, I'm not in a senior role that way. So I wasn't the project manager, but I was the risk coordinator. And I worked on a team with other project managers and many other engineers within the Canadian Space Agency. And that was something that was cool. And I'm not sure if you know a little bit about the Radarsat Constellation mission, but it's um, so it's a three satellite constellation and it actually can revisit Canada up to four times a day, which is something that we've never had done before. So that's that's pretty cool. That's very and, cool. Yeah, no. So it provides just, you know, there's maritime surveillance help up also out north um, just in terms of revisiting. Canada is very, very big. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. So um, have you been involved with that project since the beginning? Or is that? Yeah, so I was exactly. So I started at the Canadian Space Agency back in 2017. So I've been there for almost three years now. And the Radarsat Constellation Mission was so RCM was the first project that I was part of. And I'm still on that project now, even though it's in operations. Um, My role is obviously diminished, but there's still some risks that we, you know, mitigate and deal with and just make sure that we stay up to date with. And that's my role as a risk coordinator. And I've had an opportunity to also be a part of other projects. And with that, as being a project management engineer for those projects, our primary role is to make sure the project stays on track. So budget, schedule, um, and certain and times and everything. So that's that's really what that's really what our role is, making sure that things stay within scope. And scope just really means making sure that you're answering the goal of the project. You're meeting its needs and its requirements. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. And so you've been with the space agency for about three years now. Um, have you given thought to what to where you want to go and what you want to do, like say where you hope to be in five years? That's That's a really good question. So I don't know. I really like what I'm doing right now. And I think within the next five years, I think progressing, I do like the Canadian Space Agency and progressing within the agency and also just having the opportunity to try and be a part of different projects, different types of projects, as an example. So I was part of the satellite project, um, so Earth Observation very specifically. And now I'm part of a new project that's more so in atmospheric sciences. So that's pretty cool. And I've also had the opportunity to work in um, one of our communications projects, Juno Astronauts, which I think we'll be talking about a little bit later. 
So it's been really fun and really interesting to get to be part of, you know, many different types of projects because it just gives you a better overview of what there is and just being able to help people because all of all of what we do actually has a direct correlation to Canadians. And that's really something that's pretty cool, I think. That's very cool. And it, it's, uh, it's great to get to work for an organization that provides you with a lot of opportunities so that you could, in fact, grow your career within the space agency. Exactly. Exactly. So it's something that I'm very fortunate um, and very happy about. So something else I'd love to talk about is, uh, is getting, you know, your views on seeing more women advance into leadership positions, specifically in STEM fields. Um, what do you think needs to be done to encourage that? Yeah, I think that's something that's very important. And I think primarily the biggest thing would be people need to understand the value of diversity. And so when I say diversity, you know, I mean, gender, race, uh, ethnicity, whatever, any type of background, socio, different socioeconomic backgrounds and so forth. I think people need to understand the value of having different people, especially in leadership positions, because it gives you a different perspective. Uh, people's upbringings aren't always the same. And if you have everyone that is very much similar or has grown up the same way around you within the same box, then all your answers will always be the same. And you're not necessarily being innovative and you're not out there, you know, creating the next best, best thing or looking for the next, next best thing and just confronting people's people need to confront their own biases as well. I, you know, I think that's a great point. And I, and I love what you say about, you know, no, I don't think we are getting the best unless you're looking around the table and seeing a very diverse group of people, whether that's age, like, just like you said, age, ethnicity, uh, gender, things like that. Because really, um, organizations that, that aren't actively promoting women or promoting minorities or promoting different, um, uh, just promoting a diverse workforce are not getting the brain power that they could be getting. Exactly, exactly. And you kind of see it because you can see, you can see the, the, like, the lacking in certain parts of technology. Whereas like, if you don't have, as an example, if you don't have a diverse test group, then you're not going to necessarily see all the limitations of the technology that you're testing. And I mean, this can be seen as an example in medicine, when they look for a study group, you know, when they're doing testing, they look for a diverse range, right? Different ethnicities, different ages, um, you know, different genders, they don't look for just one type of person. So that should be able to be applied all over, all across the board, and especially within leadership, because you want somebody who's going to be able to challenge you so that you can actually have innovative and creative ideas so that you can move forward and really be the best that you can be. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and actually, now I'd, I'd like to move in and, and talk about the junior astronaut program that you kind of referenced before. I mean, I, I imagine that's a great way to get young people interested in these different kind of careers. So can you tell me a little bit about what that program is and, and what you're, how you're involved? So the Junior Astronauts Initiative is a great initiative for youth. And we have activities in three different streams. And three different streams are fitness and nutrition, science and tech, along with teamwork and communications. And that's really to showcase why, you know, an astronaut needs to be a well-rounded individual in order to become an astronaut. And it's not just being you know, super smart in one area of expertise, you really need to have all of these skills available to you. And so the way that this initiative works is that students actually through their schools or organizations, um, which actually would now with everything that is going on, we have opened the activities online to parents to actually do at home with their kids. Oh, that's the very cool. Yeah. So it's not just schools and organizations. Now parents actually have the opportunity to do these activities online with their kids at home. So it's something that's super great. And it kind of is, it's a teaching 
um, you know, ability for them and all the resources are available. All of our activities are low to no low cost to no material needed. Sometimes you only need an internet connection. Some of them is just, you know, using things around the house as an example and so forth. So the way it works though, is a student would complete an activity in each of the three streams. And we are hosting a camp in summer of 2020. As of right now, that is still the plan, um, depending as to how things progress, obviously different things can happen. But we have also actually extended our deadline from end of March to end of April, and that's to allow more students to apply. And so basically, if a student completes an activity in each of the three streams, they then can register to be selected for the camp. And the way that works is that you need to complete a video just talking about why you want to be a junior astronauts. And at the camp that we'll be having in summer of 2020 at the Canadian Space Agency, uh, students will have the opportunity to participate with, you know, with rovers, um, Canada Arm simulations, load activities, and so forth. So there's many different types of activities that are available there. And we're actually going to be doing a random draw. So we'll be selecting four students from each province and territory in Canada. That's super cool. And is there an age parameter around that? Yes. So it is targeting grade six to grade nine students nationwide. So if you're in grade six and all the way up until grade nine, then you're eligible to apply. And is it an annual uh, program? Um, so for right now, is this is just the first time that we've done it. Okay, cool. And as, as we know, you know, it's something that's, you know, will probably be considered in the future, but we'll see how it goes. And I think it's something that's a really cool opportunity. And even if though, the great thing about this is that all the activities are going to be made available online, like I said. So regardless as to how things move forward, all these activities are, are available to people for them to use, whether it be at home or teachers to use in classrooms and really integrate into their curriculum. It's, it's all there. That's amazing. I'm going to, um, well, my brother will hear this when he does the editing, but the, uh, he's a teacher, as I mentioned. So I'll be sure yes. to mention this to him. And uh, I was asking if it was annual because um, my son's in grade five this year. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe next year if they still, if they have it again, but I guess it doesn't matter about applying to the camp. He can still do all the activities. Exactly. Exactly. So then that's really what the great thing is. And especially right now, like I said, because we've opened up all the activities before they were behind a portal and you had to register. And the reason why we had that, it was for schools and organizations to register. And if they registered and actually completed one activity um, by the end of February, they had the opportunity to actually win a visit from an astronaut or a space expert. Super cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Right. So it's um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, that's it's definitely a lot of fun in terms of doing in terms of a project that I've been working on and outreach is something that's near and dear to me. And I really do. I, I love doing it and I appreciate it. I used to be an outreach officer before coming to the Canadian space agency. Um, and it's something that I love to give back in a way for me to just talk about things to different people that may not actually have the idea of what engineering is or what STEM is and what can be done within STEM very specifically. Well, I think that's actually a good segue to the next question, which is I wanted to kind of ask you about mentorship and, you know, not only the about the role it's played in your own career, but you as a mentor, what your views are? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Um, so for me personally, I didn't necessarily have a mentor. I think for me, you know, growing up or going through school, my parents were really my biggest facilitators, my biggest supporters. And what I mean by that is is that engineering, like to go into engineering and do educate engineering as an education as a degree is has a lot of long days you know <laughs> many days that I was at school you know from eight to eight you know I need to get home and it's like nine o'clock at night and you're just exhausted 
And just being able to come home and just, you know, whether it's like already have like, you know, my mom already having dinner or like, you know, my parents already having things there and not having to worry about other things and just being supportive of what I was doing, I think was something that was really big for me, just in terms of the fact that it just made it really easy, you know, not having to worry about other things. For sure. For sure. Because I mean, that's, um, I I don't even want to ask what the average grade you need to get into an engineering program is. Um, But my son, who's kind of mentioned being interested in engineering, we're already looking and all we've told him is you have to work hard, you have to put it in every single day. You do, you do. And it's, and it is, it's long days. And sometimes it gets frustrating. Um, Like we said, like sometimes it gets frustrating and it's just being able to just, yeah, come home and kind of have just like a nice relaxing space is totally appreciative. And so even though I didn't have a mentor being able to just have, you know, my parents in terms of like, you know, just facilitate and give me the ability to kind of just do that and not have to worry about anything else, something that I truly and greatly appreciate. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And and so, so what about, um, cause I, I, and maybe I, I, I think I read about or saw in a video that you actually started a program at your university. So exactly. So what I did was, um, so I was an outreach officer. Uh, so after graduation, I was actually doing recruitment and outreach for a period of time within the faculty of engineering and design at Carleton. And so I started this mentorship program. What it was, was a way for high school students in grade 12, grade 11 or grade 12, actually, to have the opportunity to come into the university and actually shadow a second year student. So they actually had the opportunity to sit in on lectures um, and kind of see what it was like and talk to a student who was, you know, had already completed their first year and was in their second year and really see what engineering was like. And the cool thing about that is that engineering, there's so many different types like so, so many different types at, you know, when I was in Carleton and I was an outreach officer, I think we had 13 different streams. Wow. Yeah. So I think that, and that always shocks people too. Like there's a lot of people that don't know as to just like, just the different types of engineering that really does exist at this point in time, you know? So there's many other universities that have many different types of engineering. And so being able to actually go in and speak with a student in a stream that you might be interested in and actually sit in and listen to a lecture kind of just gives you that opportunity to just really connect with someone one-on-one. And for some, you know, they come back, they always come back at the end and I would have a debrief with them just to see what they liked, what they didn't like, and kind of just whether it be suggest another program or if they liked it really just suggest more material that they could read up on or just, you know, find out about and how to apply. Um, The great part about that is that I always work with the, the knowledge, you know, when I talk to people and they're interested in something, but they don't necessarily know where to go or how to get to go about into it, I always say work backwards, work with what you don't like and eliminate those options and get down to, you know, maybe a handful of what you do like, and then you can kind of research them and it's a lot easier and it's less overwhelming to you. That's a great advice actually. Yes. So look at it in chunks, cross things off and then whittle your way down to a list that, uh, um, yeah, no, exactly it. Yeah. So I have, I have a question. This is just kind of, I'm, I'm curious about it. When you apply for an engineering program at a university, are you applying to a specific stream then, or are you just applying generally and then determine your stream once you're there? So it really depends on the university. Um, for me specifically, we apply, I applied very specifically to the program. So I applied to the aerospace program. Um, some other universities do it where you just apply to the engineering program and then based on how well you do in your first year, you can apply to different programs, different streams, I should say, within engineering after that. Um, so it's really dependent on the university. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious about that. So so now we're kind of at, this is the, the last question of our formal podcast before we get into our fast three. But it's a question we ask absolutely every woman that participates. And I really love it because, well, there are certainly themes to the answers. Everyone has a unique spin on what it means to them and what they would say. So the question is, if you could go back in time and have lunch with a younger version of you, what would the conversation look like and what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I think it's fantastic that you ask everyone this. Um, yeah, no. So for, for me, myself, I think what it would be is um, don't doubt myself too much. And with that, I mean, like take for me to take risks, as I was saying before, you know, now it's more so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate the challenge, especially within career and, you know, just going over those meeting goals in terms of career wise and just reaching to them, building on them and so forth. So just really not to have doubts. And I think that kind of comes back into, you know, I am just being, realizing that you're more, I was more, I'm more capable than I think. What I mean to say with that is just that, you know, sometimes, again, I think this comes back to having a bit of self-doubt and engineering is a difficult program, especially, and I mean this very much in the university setting. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs with it. And I think any university career, you can say that regardless of what program, whether it be, engineering or any other program, mm-hmm. you know, being more people and think, and honestly, also just realizing that at the end of it all, you know, if I'm talking to my younger self right now, just being like, Hey, you make it, you're in a pretty cool job and you get to do pretty cool experiences and learn about pretty cool different things. And it's fantastic. So at the end of the day, it was all worth it. And, you know, for that to just kind of be like, go through, push through, um, you can do it, obviously. And just be a bit more, yeah, take some more risks and, you know, see where it gets you. That's great. I love that. Um, so now we're kind of at, at the next part where we just, I'm going to ask you three questions and just kind of want to get your thoughts on them. Um, yep. so, so the first is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? Okay. So I think I, so for me, when I listen to podcasts, I can't think of the names right now, but anything that's kind of like a true crime or a music podcast um, that just kind of gives a general update on, you know, the music world and also just information or true crime. Like I do love documentaries. And now that there's podcasts that are available for that, that also is great. Um, yeah. Serial uh, was the first podcast I ever listened to. Um, I, I don't know if you've listened to that one, but uh, season one is incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds familiar. So I've probably listened to an episode or so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I like true crime as well. And, uh, the second question is, what are you currently reading? I'm actually currently reading, I'm about a little over halfway through of, um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what do you think so far? It's great. I think it's really interesting. It was, it's really kind of just like an eye opening book. Um, I think you, you have a vision of what people are like. And again, this is what I mean when paths aren't always very linear. And that's something that she goes through very much in her book herself. You know, she had, lawyer and everything, but then realized that might not have been the way that she wanted it to be in her life, like her career and the changes that she made to get to where she was. Anyways, it's, it's been very interesting. And again, for looking at how paths and how you kind of come out to be the person that you are, nothing's a straight line. (laughs) (laughs) Twists and turns, you know, like there's a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs. And I think, you know, we always hear of stories of some people who are just like, yeah, no, it just kind of happened. And it does. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think there's also a lot of other people that are like, oh, well, I started off with this and I didn't necessarily like this. So I did this and I found this was a bit more what I wanted. And then I continued down that way. So I was actually always kind of jealous of those, those people that just knew exactly where they were headed and just kept on that straight path. 
Exactly. No, same thing for me. I was always very like, yeah, very envious of people who just like knew their passion and knew what it was just kind of, you know, steamrolled right to it and just all guns blazing. And it was, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not for a lot of us. And I think that's kind of what we tend to miss and it's okay. It's okay. Yes, absolutely. And so our final question is who is currently inspiring you? I would say anyone and everyone in terms of like all my friends, you know, all my friends are always doing cool things and having a good group of, of girls that you surround myself with and even guys on top of that. Um, but just, yeah, anyone and everyone, I don't necessarily look to one person very specifically for inspiration. I think just surrounding yourself with good, strong people that are getting their goals done and accomplishing things is what else can you really ask for? I think that is a fantastic answer. Uh, so Miriam, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, uh, to sit down and chat with us. And it's just been an absolute pleasure, uh, hearing about your experiences. Thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. It's been, it's been a blast. I think this is really fun. I'm so happy that you guys do this podcast very specifically and it's great. It's great being able to talk about different things and discuss. And I hope that you see value in my answers. Oh, hundred percent. So thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Thank you for having me. Take care. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. The producer is Brian Long. Technical and web assistance from Dan Moak. And music by the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.